It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into another edition of the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring of Musketeer Report. And other than... Then one team that we'll get to in a little bit in the podcast, it was a pretty good weekend of college basketball for the local teams. And while usually we start with, with UC because they seem to play every Sunday since the, the dawn of time, since Naismith invented the game, and they did play on this Sunday, we will start with the Xavier Musketeers who also played on this Sunday. Winners over uh, Villanova. Got to give me props. I did predict the victory. I predicted the last second victory, but I did predict the victory. I have you not been very that. good on my predictions this year. But and he uh, scoffed at you. He did scoff at me, and I was disappointed <laughs> to being scoffed at. And I was, I, I felt shame as I walked out of here being scoffed at. But then my head was held very high today because my prediction held true. That said, I mean, this team now has played played defense for four solid games in a row, um, and today's the one where you go, huh. What, what could this team maybe do the rest of this season that looked like it was lost? And that's the thing. This is the team that really makes you raise an eyebrow and go, they've really come a long way because it's like Creighton, that's a bad matchup for them, but Marcus Zagorowski was out, and they hadn't really been the same team. They were struggling to get in their offense, struggling against pressure, struggling with turnovers. So you could see that one coming a little bit. Then Providence and Seton Hall, both pretty good matchups for Xavier, and they kind of had things rolling. It's like, okay, now those today, aren't necessarily impressive wins. That's just like this team's finally playing a little bit better. But you beat Villanova, who's a dreadful matchup for you, a team that has been a hard mental hurdle for you to overcome, and you play the way you did and take away the things they wanted to do. This team has shown a lot of improvement, and I think today you can tell it was legitimate improvement, not just uh, they got the right team. How did the light bulb go off defensively in two weeks, though? From from almost rock bottom, right? The ball was rock bottom. That's where you they drop below two hundred. Yeah, I, how did they, where did the light bulb go off? You think? I, I just I never felt they were that far away. Okay. I honestly didn't. It was so much of one. You get like those pick six turnovers at the end of games. Now all of a sudden, like your defensive points per possession, when you have like six run out turnovers at the end of a game that go for Live layups, ball turnover layups that yeah. completely changes your right. like points per possession and your defensive statistics. So I never thought like those end-of-game meltdowns were as much about their offense as it was their defense. Um, then also, Maybe you have now f- found a flaw in the Ken Palm, the Ken Palm stats. Well, it's, it's a known flaw, and it's across the right. board, so I think it's still even, but it's just like when you do things like that, it's going to penalize you on both ends of the court, and also when you're not making shots, when you go through droughts where you go four or five minutes without scoring. It's hard to stay locked in. It's hard to keep being good when you don't get a chance to set after a made basket. Like, those things were difficult for them to overcome. One, they're doing a better job of, okay, maybe they're still not great offensively, but it's not a four- or five-minute drought. Now it's only two-and-a-half-minute drought, and they can get back on track, and it doesn't hurt them as bad defensively. And then two, just I don't know if it was they finally hit rock bottom and they did that thing that teams tend to do, I think, which is say, screw it. It's like just start playing for yourself play, type right. of deal. Yeah, just right. do your thing. Right. And like all of a sudden – it worked, and they gained confidence. And now, like, once you have confidence and you like playing again, all of a sudden you look like you have a lot more energy and focus on defense. It helps that they have the Najee Marshall that we thought they were going yeah. to have. Yeah. He had been wildly inconsistent and now looks like an all-Big East performer over the last four games. So you, you, you get better on defense, and the guy that you had hoped was going to step up and be your go-to guy now actually looks like your go-to guy. 
and things all of a sudden look a lot better. And that's the thing. I I think everyone wants to be like, okay, so what was that one thing? What changed that snapped it all into place? And it's like, it's not one thing. It was all of those things were the reason they were so bad defensively and the reason they were losing games and everything else. And all of those things kind of slowly getting fixed is the reason they've turned it around too. They they weren't that far away, but winning at this level is so fragile. I mean, it, it one is. or two things are off and you you end up in a bad spot. That's where we talk about getting spoiled in this town. Because both of these programs have won at such a large level so consistently for so long. I think winning is taken for granted here. It is. Because that that margin for error is so thin. And these teams have been above it so often for so long. It's it's hard for fans to realize that this losing happens. we'll, We'll get to it when we get to UC. But their season isn't that far off from being in kind of a similar situation. Correct. Like a eight and one in close game. Eight and one yeah. in five games, five points right. or less. Like you're not going to turn all those around, but turn four of them around. And all of a sudden, you're on the bubble. You're right. a 12 seed. You're, like winning is so hard in college basketball. And I'm sure a team of dudes. And there's not a lot of teams with even teams of the dudes. teams of dudes. Look at dudes. They're not losing consistently. They're going to lose here and there, but they're not going to lose consistently. But what the point is, most other teams are in the same boat of you. You, you got to be pay attention to detail, and you got to do all the little stuff, and you've got to you got to start playing with confidence at points. And when you don't have that two week stretch of confidence, you got to survive a game somewhere, and so you don't have a four game losing streak. Right. And, and it's not just games that come down to you know it's under five points in the last few minutes it's the games where you get blown at blown out at marquette or whatever that still factors into like you might not be that far away even at that moment right. but the the lack of confidence and guys not being able to make a shot and you turn the ball over a few times that turns into a blowout really quickly and i think that's that's really the difference it's a lot of different things slowly getting back to normal but chad brings up a good point just having Najee marshall and quentin good in I think it's fair to say without knowing what goes on in personal lives and everything else, it's fair to say that mentally those two were not in a great spot earlier in the season. They weren't playing with the confidence um, and the the certainty of their role that you needed them to be playing with, and we're getting to that point now. Yeah, they both feel feel extremely locked in. All right, so Xavier's now tied for fourth in the Big East. When it felt like just yesterday they were in last place in the Big East, um, and one game out of third. Um, third place is what St. John's at eight and seven. Xavier's at seven and eight, tied for that fourth position. And as goofy as it sounds, they they've worked their way a little bit towards the bubble, not completely there, but at least back into the conversation. I mean, when you see Butler is the first team out in both yeah. bracketology and if you go to bracket matrix, they're not the be all end all, but they're when you see that they're the first team out and you look at me go, wait a minute, Xavier's pretty darn close to that, and they still have a game with Butler and they have two with St. John's. You can you can absolutely put yourself back in the conversation before the Big East tournament starts. They've gotten to the point where they're like it they're one win away, like on Thursday, from getting to the point where you can talk crazy. And that's the and St. If, John's game. And if you're a fan who really wants to see like a first four play in game, you can start looking at bracketology and being like, okay, what does this team need to do? Because it's it's feasible now, sort of, that they could be in contention for an at-large bid, even if they don't win the Big East tournament. That being said, I mean, you still have to, at least have to win on Thursday, and then probably split the last two, if not win. And out. I think the one you need to you at, Butler's the one. I think if you're if you're gonna well, you need one of at St. John's and one of, or at Butler. Yeah, because yeah, those, yes, those are the two yes. quadrant one games left. Um, you definitely need to win at home against St. John's, John's, right? 14 is like the number, though, isn't it? 14 losses is like the magic. I think there's only been two teams in history with 14 that get in. But I'm going to do bracket matrix, and I'm just going to give you the teams that right now are the first. I know. I mean, I I, I, I know. know. I'm the one that railed last week about this actually being. Here they are. Utah State, 
Butler, Georgetown, and Furman. Well, those are the first four out. And I know. The, the last four in, you're talking UCF, Temple, <laughs> Alabama, and, and... Hang on, I got, I got one other. And Seton Hall. Seton Hall, I said right now. One of the last four in? Yes. Yeah. Seton Hall, Clemson, Temple, Alabama, and that order. Okay. Must have just updated uh, not, then not, since not, I checked earlier not, Yeah, it, it did, because Kentucky's now a one seed, which we'll get to here in a second. They just updated it literally just a few minutes ago. So. Okay. Um, but you start looking at those teams. The, the problem Xavier's going to run into... Bad losses. Is, is, yeah, they have two... They're quadrant three, they have three losses. And right. a lot of those other teams right. only have, like, one quadrant three loss. Um, now, most of their quadrant three losses is a little more embarrassing. It's like, you know, Central Florida lost to Florida Atlantic at home. You know, like, I'll take a loss to DePaul, to this year's DePaul team at home over that Florida Atlantic right. loss, regardless of what metrics say. Um, I think, you know, eye test-wise, that, that's going to hurt some I mean, of those other teams. My, my God, the next four out are Nebraska, St. Mary's, Davidson, and Toledo. Nebraska! Toledo! Toledo! But <laughs> the MAC team's on the bubble! Most of those teams only have one or I no know, quadrant. But it's insane to think. No, 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 no. Listen. Yeah. The, most of those other teams only have one or none quadrant one wins. Xavier has two right now, but Villanova Could was not third. one. Right. They're a twenty-seven right now. So right. if they slide back up two spots, that's a third. If you get, you know, one of these last two, or if both of these last two, now all of a sudden you've got a lot more quadrant one wins than those other teams. That yeah. Are if you do that, you'd be about five hundred and quadrant but, one and quadrant two games. But also remember this: if they lose one, you're done, pretty much. Of any of these three, if they lose one, that's fourteen. Right. And then if you lose in the Big East tournament, that's, that's fifteen. 15. Yeah, that's and nobody's it's nobody's hard. ever gotten in with fifteen else. I think somebody's going to this year. Maybe not be them, but I bet somebody's trending that direction. Either that, or you're going to get two SoCon teams in, which we've talked about. Something along those lines. I, I really think for them, it is going to come imagine. down to they they probably. And again, none of this happens into a vacuum. So Correct. maybe something. Crazy happens, and we really do have that bad of a bubble, and they can get in with 15 losses. But I do think it's going to be probably win out, um, and, the and then get to the finals of the Big East tournament, and, and you fair. got a shot. Because if you went out, you also would have uh, have a uh, have a first round bye, correct? In the, in the Big East tournament, yeah, you, you basically have a bye to the quarterfinals. Yeah, so they so they win quarterfinals, win semifinals, and then you're in. You probably get one more quadrant one win that right, way, right? And then you're into the uh, finals. Either way, they're they're looking at a bye for the Big East tournament right now, right? Because they're in yes, fourth right I now. I mean, think about that. How that's completely changed in two weeks yeah. of us literally, and I think it was understandable saying, can they even win another game the rest of the year to have some level of momentum going into? How the do they not finish last? Yes. That's what we were talking about two weeks ago. If this team made the NCAA tournament, it would be the greatest flip the switch I think I've seen in a long, long time from anybody. Yeah, Other I, than a team that's gone Cinderella and won a league tournament with whatever, 18 losses. And to be clear, I mean, I still think it's – I don't think it, it's ridiculous. It like, go ahead and have fun if that's what you want to do. But, like, this team's not going to make the tournament. And um, But, again, what we've but been talking about – when I see about, Butler in the conversation, I go – Okay. Well, I think more importantly, what we've been talking about for the last month is you want to make sure that these guys are progressing, getting better, moving this into the do it. momentum. Absolutely. Now, as a Xavier fan, I think you can feel really excited that, okay, with those four guys coming back, those main four guys, who knows what happens with guys like Elias Harden, who's starting to show some promise. I mean, he's real. he was plus 19 today, and wow. plus minus is a dumb stat, but just the fact that he was on the court the amount of minutes he was to get to plus 19 – I think you're starting to see some interesting things there that if you're a Xavier fan, you look towards next year and go, okay, now you add one piece that can, you know, maybe he, he, Tandy can score as a freshman and give us good 10, 15 minutes off the bench. Maybe a grad transfer come, can come in and, and make some shots or be an extra defender, a high IQ guy. And now you're a competitor. And, and I think that's all you really wanted yeah, to get out no, of these right. last right. few weeks. Right. But I, I think now I think you, you've, if you're a player, You've gone from from where the, the the season looked like it was completely lost to now saying we might be actually playing for something. 
right? Oh, I'm sure they feel that way. Right. And they should. And they should. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a great buy-in at this stage of the game, for goodness sakes. You play them for a couple extra home games in March. <laughs> Maybe. That's possible, too. CBI, here we come. I wonder. I mean, they're, they would be an NIT team. I wonder if they'll. Yeah, I would assume they'll take an NIT bid since they have a new coach. I would think, and I would think so. I would think, don't you guys coming to, back? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean if, they denied it last time they got offered. So. Yeah. I, 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 I think just think in this situation... The guys are progressing. And yeah. it's a first-year head coach. Yeah. I think they do it, too. Yeah, I, I, would, just, I would, too. It's a good question, though. I don't know. I mean, at this point, I do kind of like feel like the NIT's not good for your brand. Like, playing in it, I don't think, does anything positive I mean, for there's been some numbers, though, of teams that have won that have come back the next year and been... Yeah, I don't think it's like a bad thing for your actual team. I think it's actually good experience for your team. But in terms of like your brand for being in the NIT, I yeah. don't think it helps. In fact, I think the only thing it could possibly is a negative. Like you go get blown out in the first round. No one probably remembers it, but there's it can't be anything but negative, in my, in my opinion, from a recruiting and brand standpoint. Yeah, I think for a first year head coach, I think I'd take it and run to the bank. Yeah, not in the Big East. All right, maybe not. All right, you see uh, with another win, uh, kind of a tough week, and you knew UCF was going to be tough even though it was at home, and you knew UConn was going to be tough on the road. They were playing for uh, the, the 99 team was getting uh, getting immortalized today 5,000 times, and UC looked like they'd put them away and then looked like they'd completely blown what was going to be a nice road win and then found a way to win in the end. And the biggest part to, to everybody was they won two games this week where Jaron Cumberland combined to score less than he scored in a half half the time this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, the UCF game, he scored two points the entire second half, 11 for the game. Uh, today, he scored eight points, and two of those were down the stretch. Um, so they had to weather a 16-0 UConn run to take the lead after getting up by 15. Other guys have had to step up. Other guys have had their number called, and those guys have knocked down big shots. I, I, I've been watching UC for pretty much my entire life. I do not remember a UC team hitting as many shots at the end of the shot clock in late-game situations than what this one has done. Nick, Nick Van Exel, the year after the final yeah, four, he made he, a That bunch. was one guy. One guy. But, yeah. this, but that's also, that right. team probably didn't do it by design where they no, burn off the first 20 seconds of the shot clock before they get into yeah, an action. Yeah, so. but, but yeah, that, These that guys are guy. hitting big no, right, shots. Like right. If you go back and watch the last three or four close games, like watch the highlights on Go Bearcats or their YouTube page or whatever, on every play and at the end of the highlight, you will hear the crowd, five, right. four, three, bucket. And I, it, it, it's been this team being eight and one in, in games five points or less, decided by five points or less, is that is not one I saw coming in any way, shape, or form. Right. Not one I saw coming. Well, Kane Broom's the one that did it today with a couple of big shots, the, the one especially that, that put him up four at the very end, where to have the awareness to know where the clock was, it couldn't be, he couldn't have that ball in his hand a millisecond longer. It was, it was going maybe to be an inch late. off his Yes, finger. maybe. To have the awareness of knowing how much time he had to catch, and I don't even want to say it was a catch and shoot, it was a, catch gra and throw. It was a graze your hand and throw, but to have that self-awareness and to make a couple big plays, I mean, good for him. I, because Awesome for him also yeah. from Hartford. Right, right. And dreamed of playing for UConn, and one of the big reasons he picked Cincinnati was to play against UConn yeah. in Hartford. And so to do that, your senior year, your last trip there, thank God we don't have to go to the godforsaken place for the conference <laughs> tournament. Um, really, really cool for Kane. And all of a sudden now, Jennifer's making plays, Broom's making plays. But it's a different. We talk about this. It's a different times, though. Yeah, and that's a good thing. I think it's a great thing. Now you'd like them to all do it on the same page on the same day, and maybe that's coming. Maybe that's coming in a in a bigger game. Maybe that's yeah. coming in the tournament. For goodness' sake, who sakes. knows what the next step is? But this team keeps progressing. 
It doesn't, I mean, it, it doesn't feel like, even though the last two games, teams have done everything humanly possible to it's stop Jaron Cumberland, yeah. they've still found ways to win those games. And, and two weeks ago, I would have told you that wasn't going to happen because we saw all the close games before that, where in the final five minutes, it was like, all right, Jaron, throw everybody in your backpack. Yep, let's go. Get us to the finish line. He scored four points down the stretch of the past two games combined, and they still won. How does he – is he a kid that would get frustrated with this if it continues moving forward of teams absolutely focusing on him? Or is he the kind of kid that would say, look, if you want to do that and my other guys make plays for me, I'll live with this? I think he's getting frustrated that he's getting killed. He's getting held like a crazy man. Yeah, I, and I think that's been the big difference is prior to the last two games, he was getting those foul calls on a lot of it. And he was still getting held some, but they were at least making defenses be somewhat sure. honest about it. The last two games, they've allowed every hold, grab, clutch, whatever, um, to, to keep him out of the, the play. Uh, credit to them. I mean, if they're not going to call it, I mean, I think Houston probably was the catalyst for that because that's how they play. Yeah. And everybody else has kind of copied it since. UCF, even more so because you can have a guy absolutely – in his shorts and know that you've got a seven foot seven freak of a human being ready to change the shot That's at nice. the rim. Well, he is. Dude, have you he seen, he is a freak of a human being. <laughs> I don't think we call them the, the, that. The couple of highlight moves I saw of him against SMU were almost like slow motion and it almost didn't matter because it was, it was him going through people and going, I don't care how you think you're going to stop me. I'm still going to throw this th yeah. down on you because you can't stop me at the rim. What a great job by Nazir Brooks to keep to him keep, off. Yeah. The biggest thing with him is if you can get him off, like he doesn't have great balance. No, but he's gotten stronger. He's strong, but if you can get him teetering yeah. a little bit, yeah, I mean, he's completely ineffective. People, it's not normal. That makes sense. <laughs> Checks out. It's not normal. <laughs> Brooks was able to do that. I mean, if you watch that game, he never really got comfortable. He never really got on balance. Um I don't know. It's just two two big wins that this team needed to to keep hope alive that they'll get to the final game against Houston and have a shot to right. to share a conference title. Um, they they just it, it's an impressive bunch because they they don't quit. They don't. They've been down. No, on the road. Here's a good one. On the road, though, you you blow a lead like that, and a team has that they kind took of full momentum and took the lead. You wilt and you're done. It yeah. just is what it is. It, you're you're done. They get a weak side tip in from Keith Williams. They steadied the ship, ended the 16-0 run. They outscore them 14-9 right. the rest of the way. They go 5 of 6 from the floor. They hit both of their free throws down What's the stretch. Get it done. They outscore UConn 14-9, including, including the two late threes and the late in the shot clock threes from Kane Broom. They're impressive. It's an impressive bunch. It's a fun group to watch play because it's not – I don't know. With this team, it's not – like last year felt scripted, like – they had a bunch of stuff that it was either accomplish this or your season is a complete failure. Yeah. And this team, it's been house money the entire, I mean, 23 and four. Nobody thought that. Right. Nobody in their right mind had this team at 23 and four. No doubt. No question about it. All right. Uh, this week at SMU, which is just coming off a blowout loss to UCF, but it is on the road, and you got to figure that's going to anger them enough to make that a competitive game. Then Memphis at home, and then two big ones the next week at UCF and, and Houston at home. I think this week is just get through the week. Um, and, and then kind of put your focus on, on next week to where it, it, it those two games can mean something. Yeah, but because that mean, game for UCF is going to mean a lot to UCF. Yes, uh, this week is it's it's a little bit difficult because both of those teams historically have been a little bit of a problem for Cincinnati's defense just because they 
they don't really have like a system. It's just guys making tough shots, and they have guys that can make tough shots. Oh, St. John's? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, I mean, like Jimmy Witt and, and Jamal McMurray, those guys have given UC problems because they can have a guy draped all over them and throw it in, you know, from 22 feet and, and not really think much of it. And Memphis, Jeremiah Martin has scored 30 points in the past – Average thirty points in the past six games, I think, for Memphis. He was one like he's on one of those streaks where the first two or three games, everybody's like, "Oh, he'll cool off." He's shooting fifty percent from three, a thirty percent three three point shooter shooting fifty percent from three. He'll cool off. We're three weeks, we're almost a month later, and he hasn't cooled off yet. So those two can be a problem. I'm, Memphis on the road, I'm not overly worried about yeah, coming on the road. Yeah, Memphis yeah. playing on the road is a lot different than Memphis at home. Yes, yes. Um, but. SMU is it's it's never been easy for UC down there, and I think Ken Palm's only got it as a two point Cincinnati edge. Yeah, and that's why I think your people are going to look at the margin today and assume, and that's where you hope your players don't look at the margin today and assume. And I don't think you will. I don't think Mick would allow that to happen. But no, I mean they know SMU came here and played them yeah. pretty dang, dang close for forty My minutes. Gosh, they got boat raced. That's unbelievable. And Taco Fall went for what twenty three and twenty. Yeah, man, oh man, because he's seven foot seven. Can't just, teach it. Just don't call him the F word. That's right. It's 2019. <laughs> He's a freak. Like that's, that's not nice. You, you are the PC. You're the PC police, correct? Yeah. You, you've got to go saying it in a derogatory term. It, it, have you ever freaking be good? What, I don't know. Did, do you think he likes being called a freak? I don't. What about the Greek freak? You think he likes that? Probably. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe Taco does too. I don't know. You ever dated a freak? Yes. <laughs> it's neither here nor there. I bet she was proud of that. I'll take that as a that yes. distinction. Yeah, I'm going to take that as a yes. That's another conversation. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't feel like I should go down no, that hole. I, any I don't farther. think you should either. All right, let's go down to Lexington, where Kentucky um, impressive win over Auburn, especially without uh, Reed Travis. Kelton Johnson grabbing 17 rebounds. I did like Cal's Cal what he said about Kelton Johnson 17 rebounds. He says, "Now you've told on yourself. Yeah. yeah. Now <laughs> you've told on yourself. Now I know you can go get 17 rebounds for me. The win." Isn't impressive. I think the way they won it was extremely impressive, especially first game without without Reed Travis. Now, long term, um, they need Reed Travis. They will need Reed Travis big time, long term. But short term, maybe it's a good thing for them to just get some minutes for some other guys and see how they play without him because maybe there's a game they're going to have to play without him because of foul trouble. Well, EJ Montgomery looked good. I know he did. And Nick Richards gave him something when he was in. I mean, he was up and down a little bit and didn't play as much, but he he gave him something when he was in there. Like, again, they have... Two guys. EJ Montgomery, I think, is probably the highest rated recruit on the roster currently. So they have two five stars. He's probably the best NBA prospect on the roster. Yeah, I mean, they've got two five stars at the center position to to make up for that loss of Reed Travis. It does suck because they were finding their identity uh, with him in there and everything. But this isn't the worst thing in the world, I think, for those guys to get a little confidence and know that like they don't have to look over their shoulder. There's no one else to come in. They've right. just got to stay in and play through their mistakes right now. And uh, I thought they looked good. And P.J. Washington was still just fantastic um and then Kelton Johnson's so tough I mean aside from the rebounds just all over the court he just adds an edge to their team yeah yes that you could see clearly in that game I have a question yes you've got that bracket matrix still pulled up I do where's where's Auburn at now Auburn I I will look out without seven I would say I'm gonna say I'm gonna say eight or nine if I was looking maybe seven's probably right you know what's gonna happen with them they feel like they're falling eight they're the first eight seed they are quintessential one of those teams yep in the top five yep Falls apart. Yep, and you don't want to play them. And then they play Kansas in the second round. Which, by the way, they're, falling, they're falling apart too. Yikes. So 
Their uh, resume no, still how, is their how, resume. No, how about them in Virginia in the second round? Virginia is a one seed. Well, I mean, Virginia Virgi- has to get to the second well, round. That's a good first, point. So yeah, back to back years getting beat by. But is, is Auburn not that no, quintessential? Exactly, like, exactly, Auburn exactly might what, beat Virginia by twenty in the tournament if right. that happens. No, that's that, oh, that, that's I'd a love, perfect. I team. want that to happen now. I mean, that's a that's but a man, one or a two seed is going to be looking if. If Auburn can win the first game, they're a mess. Yeah, that's, that's Auburn's they problem. Could, they could lose the first. Yeah, that's one hundred percent accurate. I was totally wrong on them. I still think they're dangerous. I think your point is a good one that you wouldn't want to play them as a one seed. But they have they have not been the team that I thought they would be at the beginning of the season. Man, they have. Just I mean, like at some point, that, that style has to have some discipline to it. It can't just be jack of ton of threes, run up and down the court. At some point, you have to be able to lock in, get some stops, and take care of the ball and value possession when you're in the second half of a, a good game. Like. It can't just be nonstop chaos. It's really a shame for such a man of integrity like Bruce Pearl. <laughs> that's, I mean, is, that's not, I wouldn't say that's necessarily like the MO of his teams of the past. It hasn't is been. It, really? it is like, with this one. Yeah. It's just weird to me to, yeah. that they, because this team seems more talented than that, that they wouldn't. It seems like, but that's the, that's the players he's got. Yeah. Might be the case. Yeah. That might be the case too. Uh, Zion Williams is probably the player of the year. If he, even if he doesn't come back, but, but is PJ Washington in the conversation? Not for player of the year. I don't think he's player of the year, but like player I, of the year in the SEC. Yeah, I, I, he'd be he my SEC player of the year. made that argument last time, and I think that's I think he would he's be probably too. taking that over the last two there's, or three games. There's, there's nobody. Go watch how Duke looked against North Carolina. Understood. I'm just, I'm just, throwing, him. I'm just throwing it out there. I, I'm, I'm just saying yeah. that. I, I see, and no. I, I seriously don't know who else you could even have in the conversation right now. Ja, Zion, yeah. Ja Morant, I don't think, is probably going to be in conversation. Well, because he just year. plays at Murray, and that's – yeah. If they yeah, were I – mean, Twenty six and zero. Yeah, how, if they had an unbelievable how, how many season. people you think have seen him that that that? I mean, college like basketball people, games, college ba- basketball people have, but yeah, for, for full, full games, games I've seen none. Him for snips, yeah, yeah. Most people are watching highlights on Twitter, right? Or right. Instagram. I, mean, he's, he's, he's I, really, I don't really think good. there's anybody close. I think it's nah, it's, 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 so it's as big a runaway as I can recall. I yeah, agree. it's probably fair. That's probably right. Uh, Kentucky, by the way, has Arkansas this week, and then well, Saturday wow. at Tennessee. It, that, that Tennessee game feels like I guess it would be back for who's going to keep flip flopping between the one and the two seed, and they might play again. Um, I don't know. Do you think Tennessee's battling for a one? Tennessee, I think they might be. But how how do you lose to LSU without Tremont Waters? Well, he did not play. I think they might be struggling to uh, stay are, off the I three th- seed I, line. I think they're the first two. Yeah, they're the first two seed right now from bracket makers. Uh, yeah, well, we'll see how that they finish be, yeah. up. Yeah, you're I right. Mean, you're right. Another loss or two here. I will say, did you see the end of the game? The the the, the, the chance yeah. that Tennessee. Yes. Oh, that's about as good a look as With you're going to get. Six tenths of a second. It's incredible. How did, how did he not make? I that? don't know. I know. That's about as incredible a look as you're going to get in that circumstance. I, I think hell I, of a pass. I, I think. I think I intentionally missed that free throw there. No, that's what I was. What we were. Second six. one. Yeah. You got point six on the clock. You, you're up by one after making the first free throw. I think you miss it. So I do because too. there's no way they can throw it length of the court and get enough on it. Yes. Point six to no. make it. I Agreed. Mean, Agreed. That was that, that. But that was still the a, only problem. There is you miss everything and it's a violation and they get it out of bounds. Yeah, that's but always it, the fear. If you make it, they get out of bounds. What difference does it make? They got to go the length of the court either yeah. way. So it's you at least try to miss it. In my opinion, I mean, swish that nothing but net again. I'm I'm fine with it. It's not like it's the most brilliant thing in the world to think of to miss it. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but I'm pretty sure that's one. That as was a coach. A, I would have been like, you missed this. That was a great look, though. I mean, that was just a, a great, great, look. great look in that in that situation. All right, time for the elephant in the room. The uh, the NKU Norse losing it at home on the elephant is night. sick. <laughs> it's laying down. Elephant, elephant is crapping donuts at this stage of the game. Um, all right, what what happened? Give it to me. Uh, they well, haven't been playing well for three and four a couple in their weeks last now. Seven, yeah, yeah, and I mean it's. So is there a common theme in your opinion for, for that? Yeah, I, I mean, and it stinks because it's kind of like what we were talking about with Xavier where it's like it's everything combined a little bit. 
Um, and a lot of it starts on the defensive end, I think. They've they've kind of lost their edge, and it was fine when they, they like to trade baskets a little bit, find some rhythm. They were on last year's Xavier team in that regard, that they're okay with the other team scoring a little bit because sometimes it gets them playing a little more free and open, and they get going too. And then teams can't match them usually. Right, and then they lock in, and they kind of smother them in the second half. They're just not getting that point. They're letting teams gain way too much confidence by being lackadaisical defensively in the first half. Then they find themselves in this dogfight, and they're just not sharp. Offensively, they're making some bad decisions. Guys are taking some careless shots that they probably shouldn't be taking. They get away from what they're doing well, and then it's like you've got John having to run set play after set play to keep them locked in and into this game. It's like it shouldn't be that way against the teams they're playing, especially Cleveland State. I mean, Youngstown State was a team on the rise. They were playing really well at the time, yeah, yes. Cleveland State's not that. I mean, they haven't won a game on the road all year until that one. So that makes you raise your eyebrow. Now, the difference is, like, a lot of fans, you know, of any basketball team freak out when things go wrong like that. I look at it more as, like, okay, it's a team that's been better than the rest of the conference all year. They're kind of at the end of the year where they haven't really been playing. I mean, I know right now they should be thinking about playing for conference championship yeah. but at the same time i understand how you lose focus a little bit when you had been dominating through the the first time through I, the conference i just wouldn't have thought that would have happened on saturday night i, I wouldn't have thought that. i wouldn't have either but it, it's a wake-up call i think when that happens on senior night you've got a great leader in andrew and a couple other guys who are juniors that are good leaders and like tyler sharp and dantes walton and you've got the best coach in the conference so i'm not too worried about what it means for them in the conference tournament but they've clearly got to get this right how can he get fired <laughs> <laughs> He's the longest tenured coach in the conference, yeah. maybe in college basketball. You, you might want to go program. check a few of the tapes from the last three He's years. He's the best perm in the conference. Yes, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, the only thing that the other part though is is the injury to Drew McDonald, whatever it is, back, whatever. How how alarming is it, or is it something you just got to hope? You know, well, I mean, it's as alarm, as alarming as it's been since his sophomore year. Yeah. Like he's had back flare ups the whole time. This is nothing new. It wasn't a new injury. It's just like sometimes this thing flares up on him, and it flared up Saturday night. He still scored twenty two. Scored twenty two. It hurt him defensively clearly. Um, but I also think of a situation where it's senior night, so you're leaving him out there a little more. He's chasing the all time scoring record. You kind of want him to get that at home. He missed it by ten points. Uh, it was a game he could have gotten it in because they had no answer for him. So I think all that factored in a little bit. They said he probably shouldn't have played in the second half. Um, and unfortunately, they were in a game where they needed him in the second half, so he did play. But I'm not too concerned about that long term. All right, give me the scenario. NKU's now a, a game behind Wright State in the, in the conference. They both have road games with, with Wisconsin, Green Bay, Wisconsin, Milwaukee. Um, they would need to win out in Green Bay, or excuse me, uh, Wright State would need to lose one, correct? And then they still hold the third place tiebreaker, so they would win the league? Is that right or no? Uh, I, I, don't know gonna, I don't know who's going to be in third now because right, things UIC, could get jumbled yeah. up. Uh, if, you, if it was UIC, they had the tiebreaker. Tie okay. um, but if that's up in the air, then you know it, it could be different. I, I haven't looked past UIC to see who it would be right, next. So, right. um, Yeah, but honestly, I don't even know if you want to be the one seed in this conference anymore. Maybe the one seed loses every well, year. Well, the good early, part is so. you don't have to play Cleveland State because they're not going to make the conference tournament. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Maybe that's what the plan. They're trying to fall down to like the five seed so they can be the favorite in the tournament. Yeah, you don't want to get, you don't want to get upset in the first round anymore. <laughs> you want to be the um, upsetter. Yeah. Now, it's, it's, it is fun to win the conference tournament, get that automatic into the yes. NIT. That is cool. I mean, cool. the conference regular season. Yeah, conference yeah, regular yeah. season. I'm sorry. Um, but... You know, if you get to choose, you want the conference tournament and subway tournament. So everything's still ahead of them, but they've just got to get back on the right track. How does you you might know this? How does that work in a tie? Does the NIT just honor the tiebreaker? I, I would I would assume so. I I, I would think that's so I, can't, I think it's right. the number one. Yeah, seed. whoever gets the number one seed yeah. gets it. Yeah, I would assume that that's correct. But that is so, however you break the tie. Yeah, because I, people have hit me up. They are um, 
in in looking forward to if UC was able to win out, they beat Houston on senior day, and the two teams tie, UC would be the one seed with the tiebreaker being Houston lost to the better team. How, well, well, you're losing me on this one. I'm you, lost. Houston lost to Temple. Okay. So and and UC lost to ECU. So they take the worst. So they loss? take the worst loss versus your. They don't think like UC beat Temple being the deciding factor. That's the deciding factor because UC won and Houston lost. Yeah. To the instead next of the, saying to the next team in the standings. Yeah. Okay. And you go okay. all the way down you instead of saying, "Hey, UC, don't lose to ECU. You don't deserve to be the number one seed." <laughs> it's it goes straight down. The I tears. guess Temple's third. So what if you play one of those? So is that so? Wait. Essentially, you're saying the same as the Horizon League. Then it's your record against yes, the third, third place, place team. Yeah. yeah, all the way straight down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's the same as Horizon. Same, League. Yeah. Same. Same. Most people down. do it like that. I've just had people. What, 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 I guess the question would be: What if you went uneven in a year? What if you played that team twice and the other team? That's how it is this year. I know. So what? But Houston has a loss so against them. Cincinnati doesn't. So you see, has a one thousand winning percentage, and Temple's only, or rather, uh, Houston's Temple's only 500. Fi- Houston's five hundred. Okay, all right. So you still got, you got something very much to play for then. Not playing a double round robin sucks. I hate it. I, I, I it's really the do. Worst. I, I wouldn't even care if you went back to splitting leagues Look, into two it, divisions to where hey, you're playing the you same want, side twice. If you want to kick ECU and Tulane out. Fine. I'm good with that. I don't think I, anyone I, would I have no a problem with that. Fine. Honestly, I love, kick I them love, out of college basketball. I love do- double round robin. I really do. I, I, I just think and, it's a true I, test in your league. I think in this league, a double round robin is, is getting to the point it would be pretty fun. Yeah. Or even if you went back to divisions and you played double round robin inside your division and you played the other teams. Once yeah. Apiece, I mean, now I'm it's all formula. Yeah, like, well, I know, right. But, and, and they've, they've loaded their formula. Like UC and UCF were supposed to be the two favorites this year. So they avoid two games with yeah, almost yeah. all of the bad teams. Yeah, and I will say that's smart on that league's part. I mean, yeah. you can argue with that if that's fair or not. I think it's smart because you're trying to get your better teams the better chances to get better wins and make the resume look better. That's that's smart to me. I like I do like that, but I love I think that I always love the double round robin. I think that's just the best way to go. It's the most fun way to go. Give each other a shot on each other's home court and swing away at it. Yep. All right, before we get to final take time, I, I do want to get to Zion Williamson for a second and just the decision that he would maybe have to make about coming back or not. Where, where, where would you stand on on, on on him and what you think he should do, both of them. I think the best take on this, and, I, and I've heard it a couple different places, but I think the main one was was Levitard. Basketball players play basketball. Like, football players, you're worried about concussions and career-ending, like legit career-ending injuries. Basketball, you're not worried about that. If you're healthy, basketball players play basketball. You know what? You know If he was healthy, you know what he would be doing? Playing pickup games. Play, playing pickup games. Playing basketball. Yeah. So let me give you that. Come back and play. The, the only thing I would say, though, is if, if, if I'm Mike Krzyzewski, if I'm the coach, I'm still leaving it up to him. I'm, I wouldn't yeah. pressure him into the decision. I wouldn't say, man, you owe it to us. You owe it to your teammates. I don't know if you do that. Do you, do you really? Well, for, but, but first of all, I don't think you even have to do that. Like, it's up but to I, him. But I've it's heard that argument made that he owes it to his teammates and he owes it to the just from stuffy I mean, white guys like you. Yeah, like I'm who, the one saying he doesn't. Right. I mean, I'm the one I who's didn't saying say you. I said, you said like you. You said you, but okay. I, I like you. Yeah, I mean I think that's silly, but like I don't think it's ridiculous to think that he would want to come back and, and play, and I think he does. Like, no, I, I said that. I was asked that question on a radio show. So that's what I said. I said, I, I think it's a moot point because I think he's going to come back and play, and he wants to come back and play. Right, like he wanted to go to college. He likes all this. He's been great about all of it. I think he he wanted to. to go to Duke. He didn't go to LSU. 
He didn't go to Washington. He didn't go to places that it's pretty likely they're going to miss the tournament, and it doesn't matter how many games you yeah, play to begin with. He went with to Duke to win a national championship. With number one, number two, and number three right. to win a championship. There's, it, there, it's, it's a silly debate because it's not a debate. And also, acting like it doesn't mean anything to me is kind of stupid. Like, we've gotten, we get too far on these things, right? Like, we want to give control back to the players, we want to give them some rights, and I think that's. That's absolutely respectable. Like we should find a way for them to make money off their likeness, yep. all this stuff. They should they should have more control. Make money off the do. shoe that blows apart. They should be allowed to go immediately to the NBA and not play one year of college basketball. But this whole thing of like no one should ever play anymore and they should all shut it down and they should never come back and they're worried about injury. Like, no, what? Yeah. It's still like Carmelo Anthony and I've heard I've heard this point brought up a lot. Carmelo Anthony is known for like being a national champion at Syracuse. Like that meant a that's, lot for his legacy that, that, all that, time. That is his legacy because the NBA career has been selfish, Carmelo Anthony, who can't win anything. He's got a couple gold medals. He was important on those teams. Yeah, and I, but like honestly, like that 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 becomes a thing when you win at that level in college. That is a cool thing to look back on. And he remember. won because of Jerry McNamara. Anthony Never Davis that. won a title at Kentucky. Still talked about. Yeah, yeah. he hasn't won anything since winning winning National Player of the Year, going away, and then leading your team into a Final Four and winning a national title is a great experience. Just disappointed I won't see now a 540 dunk from him this year probably. We were talking about Khalid El Amin today. How about that? I was expecting It's important. I was expecting him to weigh 427 pounds. I was expecting pounds. him to be the three of us combined. Yeah. That's, and that, we're not small. That's stunning to me. That might be the biggest upset in college basketball Rick history. Rick had the line of the day was it was we were coming up here. He's closer to his playing weight now than he was when he was playing. No no doubt. <laughs> he probably he probably was. I, I mean he, he, I think he might be on keto. <laughs> <laughs> He's decided to cut, maybe. He's decided to make himself look he, good at this he time looks, of life. I wouldn't say good, but he looks as good as Khaled Elamine would ever I was going right? to say, he never looked good as a player. <laughs> you know how he looked as a player? Fat. He looked like the 35-year-old fat guy in the pickup league on a Saturday. Dude, good ball. Dude, good ball. I, I, I would say that the dude's He, he might be like... The all best fat time. player, all-time best fat he, player. He's way up there. He's in the top five of I mean, best all-time players. Him and Barkley, yeah. I don't know if Barkley counts. Well, he was fat back in the. Oh, he was fat. Oh yeah. I mean, he yes. got chiseled. He got a little more chiseled in the NBA. He got yeah. a little stronger. I just in college. He was fat. I know, but I don't know if you can count like guys who are super athletic as fat players, like fat guy players. You don't. No fat guy relates to him. That's a good like it's point. not Raymond Felton and Khaled Alamin. You relate to those dudes. You can do what those dudes do. You can do what Mateen Cleaves did. I mean, like <laughs> you can't do what Barkley did. It's true. Great, so, great it's, story on that. I was that 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 championship game was actually the day that I left to drive to live to L.A. So I listened to that game that night driving through, I think, Memphis. How about that? And sports talk radio through the night driving to L.A. I, that was that was how I remember the 99 UConn-Duke game was was taking my butt to Los Angeles. And then, you saw, and then you saw them all again today. Saw them all again today including, as they watched UConn lose for the seventh time in a row. To including the, the great Jim Kelly. That is seven times in a row. Last, mm -hmm. last win? Four overtimes. Ooh, that's right. You know who the last coach to beat UC was? Do you know? Kevin Ollie? Huh, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Won a national title. Isn't that amazing? Yes, he did. He's yes, the worst he coach ever to win. You got a final take of any kind, Chad Brendel. Do you have one? I, I want to go last. Uh, Yeah. Okay. I do not think that was the appropriate game to like do a send-off for Drew McDonald with that even though it was a senior night, so I'm not going to address that. We'll talk about it at a later date. I think there's more to come for him still this year. But Zanai Robinson, also uh, it was his senior night, and he was a graduate transfer. And I, I think 
when you come from a situation like he did where you're the star at a place like Norfolk State and you come to an NKU, it's not like you made the jump up to be like, right. oh, I'm going to definitely play an NCAA tournament. I just want to be a role guy. A lot of guys would say, like, I'm coming to NKU to ball out. Like, it's going to be my team. He's been extremely selfless this year and playing a role. And it's been it's worked out perfect because Paul Joko, as a sophomore or a redshirt uh, freshman, I guess, his second year in the program, though, hasn't quite been ready right. to kind of be a regular guy. But they need him for certain points because of his defense. And on the flip side of things, Zanai kind of brings that offensive punch as the backup guard that he's had a really good senior year. And I think it's uh, it's kind of been overlooked at times because he hasn't been a main guy, but he's been important in some big wins. And Drew McDay could still get one more home game, right? Conference tournament? They will get one will more get home, home game, game if, as long as they, they win on uh, Wednesday, I yeah, believe, the next game. I think that's is, right. Yeah. I think that's right. So there you go. I, I want to congratulate the Beachwood Tigers. Oh, my. Wow. That's, that's what I'm using my wow. final take on. I think uh, assistant coaching had a lot to do wow. with that. Wow. Assistant apparently. coach, coach Richard Hart. Skinner. Assistant coach Ross Hart. Yeah. Assistant coach Richard that. Skinner and his Beachwood Tigers defeating Covington Catholic and winning the 35th district championship. That's that? that's two wins over Covcath this season. And, uh, First I would, district title in 70 years. I was going to say, when's the last time Beachwood won one? 1949. And How about that? That is that is the 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 uh, on the basketball school totem pole in Northern Kentucky. It's way down there. Boys. Beachwood is real close to last. Like I might go Silver Grove. I might go Big Trains. And Heritage is below. Yeah, Villa might be on a given year. Calvary Christian. Calvary Christian on a given year. Yeah, the basketball is a- important to those schools. That's a good point. That's a good point. Beachwood up until Coach Skinner got there. We had a heck of a crowd for that game the other night. Up until Coach Skinner got there, basketball was an afterthought. Coach gets in. Coach Skinner. Is there a freshman coach in the history of Northern Kentucky basketball that's had more of an impact on a program? I don't think so. I, I, don't, I don't think it. so ever. I don't know what to imagine. I, Is there a uh, assistant coach in the history of Northern Kentucky basketball that's asked for more charges to be taken? No. no absolutely there's not. No way. Absolutely there's, not. There, there is no way. <laughs> you hear how proud he is of that title? <laughs> I'm extremely proud of that title. You, you, want, you want me to make somebody's day, too? You, you, you coached a freshman team, right? Yeah. And now their girls are like number one in the state. Number Coach Aaron Stan. Unfortunately, my freshman had already graduated, so that wasn't my. Uh, that doing. would have been that would have been a good story yeah, if those my were, freshmen yeah, were seniors. Now yeah. I think only like three of them made it through the program. <laughs> they actually, only two. I think. But, but, but Aaron Stan, that jackass freshman coach. But I set I set some of the stage though. I believe this. you. Yeah, I believe you. I mean. Yeah. Probably older sister, younger sisters of the girls that you coach. I think I just set the tone, the standards for the program. The yeah, way, yeah. And then but at the point when you got out, I, I, I more than anything, I just wanted to make Stam like, like he's gonna, that's gonna make his day to have his name mentioned on this podcast. He's done a great job, twenty nine and two. They did lose to Ryle in the district. They're in Ryle are basically game. one and two, right? They in are the one and two in the state, basically. And they are gonna, they will, they will meet again if they do in the in the regional championship game, which will be good for both of them. Yeah, shout out to Coach Stam. He's the my man. Guy. And I shout out Coach. to Coach Skinner and his Beachwood Tigers. They're going to vie for a ninth region championship. And shout out to Skinner. There was an assistant coach technical in that game, and it wasn't him. Well, shout not out, me. Shout out. We could get – I don't want to put the cart before the horse here. We could get Coach Richard Skinner on the floor of Rupp Arena. How about that? Well, that would be wild. What would you, you would cry if you if that was that it's, was? It's, it's possible. It's possible. You would, you might not weep, no, but no, but but during I like don't, I don't during cry much during introductions, you would be standing there as I'd a coach. Very, I'd be very proud on the floor yeah. at Rupp Arena. Going wow, there'd, there'd be a tear. It might not drop if by crying it would be there. You mean itching to yell at his guys to take more charges take and then yell at a ref? Yes, you, that's you, exactly. It'd be like the scene right out of the slap shot where he keeps looking up at the end when the anthem's going on. He wants to fight the guy. He wants to fight him. <laughs> Make sure you take a charge today. I'm listening to the song. Skinny might Skinny might get thrown out of that game before the first media time. Oh, that would be fun. I, I, 
Do they have media timeouts of the boys' state tournament? I believe they do. Yeah, they I do. Think I believe they, they do. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think they do. Can we, like, is that a traveling podcast? If you're, if you're, it has to. If we do that, it will absolutely be a traveling podcast. It absolutely <laughs> post will game, be. Post game after they lose. Yeah. <laughs> post game with Richard Skinner, the 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 third assistant that, for I, the Beachwood I, Tigers. I, I would tell you this, buddy. If we were, if we did do, if we did do that, if we somehow went there. Uh, we would be playing with absolute house money. We're already playing with house money, man. That would be house money on top of house. That'd be you hitting blackjack five times in a row. Chad, I think the the Tigers are going to go undefeated the rest of the way. I think they're going to make will. a kickoff through <laughs> the region, <laughs> don't you? You know what? I'm going to embrace that and say maybe we will, Rick. Oh, maybe. maybe. No confidence. Will. You hear that, kids? Coach Skinner, no confidence in you guys. <laughs> I would have said you definitely would. Maybe we Book will. Book your tickets to Rupp Arena, I, Tiger fans. I didn't run away from it and get ashen face like you did, Rick. Hashtag TTS. Tigers take state. Take state. Exactly it. All right, you two clowns. For Chad Brendel of Bearcat Journal, appreciate the shout-out. For Rick Broering of Musketeer Report, make sure you read all their stuff. It's always great. And his guy, Justin Berg, as well at BearcatJournal.com, too. Uh, I'm Richard Skinner. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the College Basketball Edition, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati.